This is the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief, keeping you informed about the happenings in Annapolis and the area. Local news, local sports, local events, local opinion, and of course, local weather. The Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief starts now. Well, good morning. It's Monday, July 1st, 2019. This is John Frenet, and this is your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. What an incredible moving tribute to the remembrance of Wendy Winters, John McNamara, Rob Hyacin, Rebecca Smith, and Gerald Fishman on Friday night at Maryland Hall. About 300 people packed into the auditorium at Maryland Hall to remember the five slain employees of the Capitol Gazette who died one year prior. First Lady Yumi Hogan said she will cherish the time she spent with Wendy Winters, who covered the governor's holiday open house, and said that last year's open house was not the same without her. The widows of John McNamara and Rob Hyacin spoke, as did Wendy Winters' daughter, Summer Lee. Some of the highlights of the evening were the current mayor of Charleston came up and sang an incredibly emotional version of The President Sang Amazing Grace, which was a song written by a New Jersey woman in response to the mass murder that Charleston experienced several years ago. The end of the performance ended with the Eastport Oyster Boys being joined by a gospel chorus as well as all of the other performers in singing their original song, Rise Up. And after the program, everybody was invited out into the labyrinth in front of Maryland Hall to light an electronic candle as heart images were projected on the front of Maryland Hall with the names of each of the victims. All in all, a beautiful way to honor five beautiful people that were taken from us way too soon. Boy, Saturday's Pride Parade and Festival was off the hook. I was there. It was about five to 6,000 people, I would estimate. And it was the first Pride Parade held in Annapolis. And according to the organizers, it exceeded all expectations, was a tremendous success for all concerned. Mayor Gavin Buckley served as the official Parade Grand Marshal, along with 13-year-old Claire Drapo of Crofton. Now, last June, Drapo wanted a Pride Parade and ended up with a Pride Walk, some will call it a stroll, along Annapolis Main Street with Buckley and about 20 other people that joined her, and it was a rainy June day, if I recall. Collins Aerospace was the official Pride Festival sponsor, and the Graduate Hotel of Annapolis was the official Pride Parade sponsor. I was very impressed by all of the county's major employers, M&T Bank, Northrop Grumman, Collins Aerospace, you name them, they were there. They all had their own little contingency of Pride groups marching in there. A lot of schools, a ton of churches, and also a lot of the departments with local communities. Annapolis had their police and fire departments. Anne Arundel County had the fire department. Prince George's County brought their police department. You had the Department of Health for Anne Arundel County. You also had the Anne Arundel County Public Library. All in all, it was a hot as hell day, but it was a great day for Annapolis. So great that the second annual Pride Parade and Festival is already on the books for June 27, 2020. And while that was happening down in Annapolis, up in Saverna Park, the library was having another one of their drag queen story times. This one did go off with a hitch. Two protesters were removed by police for disrupting the show and shoving a library board member. There were 165 toddlers and parents in the Saverna Park Library, and according to Christine Feldman, who's the spokesman for the library, she said about 30 protesters prayed and talked peacefully on McKinsey Road outside. At about 3 o'clock, two protesters went into the story time where they began shouting at the performer. Feldman did say the men were removed by police after one of them shoved the board member, Rob Sapp of Saverna Park, who had asked them to be quiet. Sapp said he does plan to press 
arrest charges against the two. A very dangerous and sad weekend on the water in and around Annapolis and Anne Arundel County. Saturday afternoon at about 3.30 p.m., there were three kayakers that were off of Horn Point just at the mouth of Spa Creek. Two of the kayakers flipped over. The captain of the passing schooner, Woodwind, saw the commotion, went over to see what was happening, was told to call 911 because a 39-year-old woman who was with them did not surface. The Woodwind called in a mayday to the Annapolis Coast Guard Station, and the Coast Guard responded. The Harbor Master responded in Annapolis City and Anne Arundel County, as well as the Naval Academy and DNR, all responded virtually immediately. They were briefly interrupted for about an hour in their search at 4.30 when a hailstorm came through, and it resumed a little bit later. And unfortunately, at about 9.45 Saturday night, the body of the 39-year-old woman was discovered near the Spa Creek Bridge. Very early Sunday morning down in Edgewater on Cars Wharf Road, a man was walking along a pier and fell off the end of the pier and did not resurface. Anne Arundel County Fire Department got the call at about 3.45 a.m. They were unable to locate the man, and they did locate his body about 90 minutes later when divers entered the water to recover him. And up closer to Baltimore, on Saturday, a boat technician named Alan Van Dyke from Glen Burnie went missing in Baltimore's Curtis Bay. He was not far off of shore and did not return. Rescuers found the boat that he was adrift without him. The search does continue for Van Dyke, 43, of Glen Burnie. And also, authorities are looking for a possible missing person in the Patapsco River near Rivera Beach. Please, people, be very careful out there on the water. The water can be dangerous. Wear your PFDs. Know how to use them. The University of Maryland is at risk of losing an accreditation which could result in the school and students losing out on federal financial aid. The Middle States Commission on Higher Education announced on Friday that it's put the university under warning and is requiring them to address concerns by March of 2020. Among those demands are that the Board of Regents must be able to prove it has a clearly articulated and transparent governance structure. This is all a result of how the university reacted or didn't react to the death of 19-year-old football player Jordan McNair. In a joint statement, the University System of Maryland Regents Chair Linda Gooden, its Chancellor Robert Carrot, and University of Maryland College Park President Wallace Lowe said that they are committed to working together to get the warning removed. Quote, progress toward full compliance is already underway and will be completed by March 1st, 2020. Chesapeake Bay Candle up in Glen Burnie is laying off 125 employees. That would be all of their employees. Actually, Chesapeake Bay Candle is owned by Newell Brands of New Jersey, and they are going to be closing the Glen Burnie manufacturing plant and move it up into their fragrance division in Watley, Massachusetts. This according to Newell spokesman Claire Aud Starachi. She said the Chesapeake Bay Candle brand is essential to Newell brand. The partnership is allowing us to create and bring to market exciting design-driven products to promote joy peace and tranquility for consumers, yada, yada, yada. Maybe you ought to rename it Back Bay Candle Company. Hey, if you are a restaurant owner or thinking about owning a restaurant, this is just a warning about Grubhub. They're doing some really slimy stuff here. Apparently, they are buying up thousands of restaurant web addresses. So if you don't have a website, there's a good chance that Grubhub may have already purchased your website. The New Food Economy has found that Grubhub now owns more than 23,000 web domains, all with the names of real legitimate restaurants. In response to the accusations, Grubhub says that we have never cyber squatted, which is identified by ICANN as generally bad faith registration of another person's trademark in a domain name. As a service to our restaurants, we have created
created microsites for them as another source for orders and to increase their online brand presence. Yeah, 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 right. I'll tell you a local story here about Grubhub. There's a local restaurant in Eastport that did not participate with Grubhub. And Grubhub is a pay-to-play type of a thing. What they found out is that Grubhub used them anyway. They duplicated their menu. They increased their prices. And as far as the restaurant knew, it was just somebody coming in to pick up an order to go. They did find out now that their hamburger that they would normally sell over the counter for $7 was being sold by Grubhub for $12. And actually, they were losing business because people would see something on Grubhub and go, oh my gosh, I'm not going there because they have $12 hamburgers. Grubhub, you're slimy. Don't do this. Okay, that does wrap it up for the news today. Please make sure you're checking out ionanapolis.net throughout the day because we do update it throughout the day. You want to stay tuned. We have George Young with your local DMV weather forecast. He's coming up in just a minute. And a lot of people have asked me about the Ward 6 election, which is happening tomorrow, and my predictions and thoughts. And I do have an opinion piece on that. I'm not quite ready to call it a rant yet, but that's coming up in just a minute as well. Stay tuned. You know, two or three years ago, most people had never even heard of a podcast. Now suddenly, there's so many of them that you trip over them while going out to get the paper every morning. So we get it. You have a lot of choices. So here's one to put at the top of your listening queue. The Maryland Crabs Podcast. Hosted by me, Tim Hamilton, and my partner in podcasting, John Fernay. The Maryland Crabs is a bi-weekly podcast that covers everything Maryland, from politics to business to local issues. In addition to regular episodes, we offer regular crab cakes, which are shorter episodes that are light on filler and just as tasty as regular episodes. You never know who's going to show up as a guest. We've had a wide variety of people in the hot seat over the past few years that run the gambit, all the way from Governor Hogan to local business owners who are ticked off about something or another. We keep it lively, we keep it fresh, and we keep it interesting. Well, mostly. But still, if you're looking for a local podcast with a local angle, then you're going to want to tune in to The Maryland Crabs. Visit us at themarylandcrabs.com or, better yet, subscribe via your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss a single episode. The Maryland Crabs Podcast. Just listen. Going out? You need the most up-to-date local weather. Here's George Young from DMV Weather in Annapolis with today's forecast. Hey everyone, this is George with DMV Weather, and this is your Eye on Annapolis forecast for Monday, July 1st. After a steamy weekend with temps in the 90s and some summertime thunderstorms as well, today will be a nice, albeit very brief, respite with highs only in the 80s. But 90s will return tomorrow through the rest of the week and likely through the upcoming weekend with a daily threat of PM thunderstorms as high pressure to the south and the southwest will continue to pump in hot and humid air to the skies above Annapolis and all of Anne Arundel County for the foreseeable future. Okay, that's it for today. This is George Young of DMV Weather. Make it a great day out there. Be sure to get our free app on all of your devices by searching for DCMDVA Weather in the Apple or Google App Stores. And also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and on our website at dmvweather.com so you can always stay weather informed. There is a diamond of diamonds. It's from De Beers. Only 14 diamond tears in the world can touch them. Its name, Forevermark. And Zachary's is the only jeweler in the Annapolis area that has it. Not only is it beautiful and rare, it has a story, supporting women in diamond-producing areas around the world. So when you give a Forevermark diamond, you don't just give, you give back. Zachary's and Forevermark, a jeweler and a jewel. Online at Zachary'sJewelers.com. So many different stories in the news, and everyone has an opinion. Here's ours. Tomorrow, Ward 6 has a special election to select a new alderman for the seat vacated by Shanika Henson when she was appointed to the House of Delegates. Unfortunately, Ward 6 has some problems. Now hang on, it's about to get pretty wonky here for a few minutes, but follow along. 
They routinely have the lowest turnout during normal elections, so turnout is likely to be a problem in this special election. The election is two days prior to a federal holiday, and it looks to be hot as hell out, which may diminish the turnout even more. If you wanted an educated and experiential guest from me, there are 1,864 eligible voters in the ward, and my guess is you may see a 13 to 18% turnout. Let's go with 15% for argument's sake. So that's less than 300 people. There are two party-supported candidates, George Gallagher on the Republican side and Yanis Kakiani on the Democratic side. Dewan Gay, who was disqualified from the primary, has mounted an aggressive write-in campaign as well. So there will be three choices for the voters. Two will be printed on the ballot. One you're going to need to write in. And to round it out, every one of these candidates has enough baggage to give voters pause. Now let me lay that out for you. George Gallagher. He's a relative unknown, but has been a reliable Republican voter, I'm told. The Capitol reported that he had a bankruptcy several years ago, and Gallagher explained it claiming that a move to Annapolis from the West Coast put him in a cash crunch. Giannis Kakayani is a local businessman and a builder. As with most businesses, there are some lawsuits and liens associated with that. As we all know, the mayor had a bunch leading into the mayoral election, and to be honest with you, they're not a really big deal in my opinion. However, the Capitol did report that he had several domestic violence orders filed against him by his ex-wife. To be fair, none of them were ever made permanent. There were some unsatisfied business judgments and liens, which were only taken care of just prior to his filing to run for office. And he also made an attempt to seal the domestic violence records with the courts so far unsuccessfully. And then there's Dewan Gay. Dewan made a name for himself as an activist a few summers ago and has been the front and center Unfortunately, his campaign failed to follow the procedures to file for office, and he was disqualified. But he has not been a real detail guy in the past. Prior to even attempting to file, he needed to clear up $750 in fines from the city from the last time he ran for office and failed to file his campaign reports. And even with all of that behind him, Gay has had four failure-to-pay-rent cases filed against him since January of this year. Two have been closed and two remain open, including one that was just filed less than two weeks ago. This is for an apartment that he has on the eastern shore of Maryland. Why can't Ward 6 get a solid candidate to run? I have no answer for that, but I'm not sure any one of the candidates is a better choice over any of the other ones. The winner will be serving out the remainder of Henson's term and will have to stand for re-election in 2021. Maybe the Republicans and Democrats ought to start looking for their candidates now. There has to be a good one out there, right? Many have asked me what my guess is on this outcome, and I have long said that the person that gets 100 votes will win this seat. That's a number which is disgraceful to me. I suspect that Gallagher realizes he's not getting many Democratic votes and has quietly been working the registered Republicans in the ward. Gay and Kakayani have been out front and very loud, and they need to have that Democrat vote. So here's the prediction. With about 1,800 votes available, about 1,200 should go to the Dems and 600 should go to the Republicans. With my predicted 15% turnout, that will be 270 votes cast in this election, both Republican and Democrat. Here's where it gets interesting. We will have that 15% turnout overall, but I think the Republican turnout will be significantly higher than the Democratic one they might approach 20%, which would be 120 votes. I think the turnout on the Democratic side will be at about 12.5%, leaving 150 votes to be split between Gay and Kakayani. See where I'm going here? I do think Kakayani will earn more votes than Gay because he is on the ballot, and the voters voted for him in the primary. There is some name recognition. But I think Gay's campaign is strong enough to keep Kakayani from the 121 votes, potentially, needed to win. 
It really could go either way, Republican or Democrat, to be honest. But if I had to call it, I think Fred Payone might see another Republican sitting on the city council with him in the next few days. If the Republican turnout is lower and Gay's campaign is stronger than I think, you probably get the same result. My backup guess is that Kakayani wins and Gallagher comes in second. In any event, this race will be one of the closer races we have seen in the city of Annapolis and likely to be decided by a single-digit margin of votes. After the race, it'll be interesting to see the political future for Dewan Gay. If Gallagher wins, Gay is the spoiler, and my guess is that any local political aspirations will be done. If by chance Gay pulls out the win and the party, quote-unquote, will need to do a little bit of making up to him as well. So there you have it. There is my prediction for the election that's coming up tomorrow. With the holiday, we may not know the results until next week, but there you have it. And that's what I'm thinking today. You've been listening to the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Tell your friends and colleagues this is the podcast where you can keep up on the latest with what's going on in Annapolis. And also tell them about our website, ionanapolis.net, where you can find even more information. This podcast comes to you every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., keeping you informed with the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. And take a moment to listen to our other podcast, The Maryland Crabs, released every Thursday at noon.